0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Have your Bible open. If you have a Bible, if not, we'll have it up here on the screen. First John chapter 2. We're working through, walking through 1 John, and we're on chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world. Uh oh, okay. Well, I guess we can stop right there. It was just go out and do and don't do that. Um, everybody. Amen. Uh, that's 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 the, Amen. That's a closing prayer. That was just I was I was ending that prayer. Uh, do not love the world or anything in the world is two separate things he's talking about. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Man, I love John. He's given us all these, all these thermometers, all these ways of telling whether or not we are what we say we are, whether or not we actually believe what we say we believe. Well, this is a good, this is a good thermometer. It's a good test for you. Uh, you say that the love of God is in you. You say that you love God, that love of God and love for God is different translations translated differently. But he says, look, this is a good test. Don't love the world or anything that's in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father or love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes, out from, comes not from the Father but from the world. And I'm really glad that the Holy Spirit included verse 16 for us because if we were just reading verse 15... Then, and really as a preacher, it's tempting to just stop at verse 15 because he says, don't love the world or anything in the world. Well, you could do a whole sermon series on the things in the world, right? Like, uh, you know, don't love your car and don't love chocolate. And uh, we, we were watching, Roe was telling about a Francis Chan video where he's talking about lo- the love of chocolate, love of money, all that kind of thing. And, and it, it, it's funny because in, in America, we interchange the word love for all kinds of things. We love chocolate. We also love our spouses. Hopefully not in the same way, right? And hopefully those are different kinds of loves. Well, it's because the English language has so just smeared the word love and drained it of all kinds of meanings. We we love tacos. We love Taco Tuesday. And we love God. And and so at some level, you have to have different ways of expressing The kind of love that we're talking about, which in the Greek language, in the original language of the scripture, it it does exactly that. He says, do not love. And that word for love is agape. So agape is the highest form of love. It is not an emotional attachment. It is a, a, a prioritizing commitment. So when he says, don't love the world, he says, don't prioritize the world. Don't place the world at the highest place in your life. Okay, so you can still love chocolate and love Jesus. Are we good? You can still love your car and love Jesus. You can still love your kids and love Jesus. You can still love this life in some way. This life can be enjoyable. This life can be fun. You don't have to only wear black and cover your face all the time and be sad because, you know, you're unfortunately a Christian, Well, is me. I gave up all my fun and started serving Jesus back in 1974. You know, I mean, like, well, you didn't. I don't think you found Jesus because because Jesus is life. Jesus is love. Jesus is fun. Jesus is exciting. Jesus is everything that you were built for and made for. It's not like Jesus is this awful experience on earth and then, oh, you get to heaven and that's where all the good stuff is kept. No, heaven is just the next step from the joy that we're experiencing down here. So you can love, you can enjoy, you can be attracted to uh, things of this earth, but do not agape, do not love the world. By the way, this is, is I'm just thinking of this, this would be a great marriage seminar too because because Ephesians 5 says husbands love your wives that's agape. It doesn't say husbands like your wives because anybody's been married more than 5 minutes knows there's seasons you may not like her. <laughs> All right, I'm all by myself. No one's going to amend me. And that's probably a good idea. If your wife is here, do not. Like, just be like, I don't know what he's talking about. I, I just am thrilled every moment that I see you. It's just butterflies. Just, you know, I mean, go ahead. Like, you know, do what you do you. But for me, I'll be honest because I'm in the house of the Lord. And I'll just tell you, some. there's seasons you go through you don't feel attracted to her. She doesn't feel attracted to you either. There's seasons where she might not even like you. But the passage doesn't say you ought to like your wives. And that doesn't mean that your marriage is over when you're not attracted anymore. (laughs) Because Ephesians 5 says, love your wives. That's a commitment. That's a decision. That's a priority. That says, even if I don't have the butterflies that I had when we were dating, I'm still going to put her in the highest place in my life. She's above my mother. Come on. So I'm, 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 I, that's obvious for me. Some of y'all need to hear that. She's above my mom. She's above my car. She's above my friends. She's above my job. Well, anyway, this is good marriage preaching for you that will help you. Uh, the kids, like, we're just staying together for the kids. The kids are the most important. thing. kids are not the most important thing. Husbands, love your wife. Prioritize your wives. Put her at the highest place. God's here. Then your wife then your kids then the church you don't put the church above your wives it's terrible it's, it messes up your marriage don't do that so husbands love your wives this is but that's the word love it's priority he says do not do not don't don't grab a hold of don't gravitate toward the priorities of the world do not love the world or the things of the world and then he goes on to explain what those things are. That's why I'm so thankful for verse 16. And the things aren't actually things. The things are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those aren't really things. I mean, in terms of nouns, they're not, it's not, it's not a thing. He's, he's literally dealing with lust and lust and pride. And so we're going to get into that today. We're going to look at these three. These are, these are not three things that you would have or struggle with. These are three wells or sources that you would go to. And there's a huge difference. Most of the time, uh, when, when, when I hear people preach this, they talk about these three things as if these are three things that you struggle with, right? So the lust of the flesh, we all know that that's um, sensuality, right? Definitely definitely pornography there. Lust of the eyes, also pornography. So um, there you go. And then the, the pride of life, that's just being prideful. That's like, you know, politicians. So, all right, that doesn't apply to any of you. Let's keep going. But it's, <laughs> it does apply to us because he's not just talking about pornography. He's not just talking about when we hear the word lust, we think, oh, that's obviously, you know, pornography. But it's not this, like two-thirds of the stuff in the world is not porn. <laughs> just FYI. Like it doesn't work that way. He says, no, these are the things of the world. And he's giving these massive, honestly, I could spend a few weeks on this. I'll try to get through it today. But he's giving these massive terms that, that give us not a thing, but a source A source from which many things come out. Pornography would be one of them. Um, I kind of like the amplified version. I don't normally do this. So this is the one, and I think it's the first time in City Chapel history I've read from the Amplified, because it's so long. It takes like uh, an hour to get through a single sentence. It's like, can we just say it? But um, I do like the way that the Amplified gives this verse. If we could, I think we have uh, a slide there. So this is the Amplified. So it says, for all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh, so it does include sensuality, and the lust and longing of the eyes, but this is the one I really like, and the boastful pride of life. And then they have in parentheses, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. That's huge. So the pride of life is not just about billionaires and millionaires. It's not just Elon Musk and Donald Trump. The pride of life is, is right here. The, 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 the pretentious, that's the arrogant, that's the, the, self, the self-righteous confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. Now we're getting a little closer to home. Now we're getting a little more closer to like average people. The confidence in the stability of earthly things. And so I wanna talk about these three things and, um, yeah, hopefully we can get, get to them. But in order to help explain them, um, because they're so often preached as things, uh, uh, we, there's two things we have to do. We have to look at the original language. So the original language here uh, for lust, which is mentioned twice, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Uh, the, the original language for the word lust, it's a combination of two words, uh, and it's epi, um, epithumeo, epithumeo. So epi is one word and thumeo is another word. Thumeo means to burn with passion or to strongly desire something or to breathe heavy, actually. Uh, so it's, it's, it's passionate. Um, that's the first one. This, the second epi, which is a part of this, epi is where, well, we use it in the English like the epicenter uh, of, of, I don't know, COVID, the COVID-19 crisis. The epicenter uh, is believed, I guess, to be Wuhan, maybe Wuhan, China. That's, I don't think that's racist to say, but I think it's like, so the epi, epicenter, like epi means, means the thing which is underneath the thing. So, so if you say that it's the epicenter of the, of the outbreak, if, if you say the Wuhan's the epicenter of the outbreak, what, what you mean is that Wuhan is this city, but underneath the city are these processes and people and um, uh, practices that, that created this virus and allowed it to spread. So it's the thing underneath the thing. It's not the city. The city didn't, didn't do it. It's the processes and people and the, and the structure and, and the economics and, and a lot of things that go into it. So when you say epi, it means that, that thing which is, un, which, is, which, which, which is undergirding something or is, or is right, there, um, right there on the thing. So when it says that it is the lust of the flesh, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that it, that, that it is the lust of the flesh, like the, like the lust of the flesh is a certain thing. It means that the flesh produces certain kinds of lusts. That the flesh, out from the flesh comes things. And this is what he's talking about. The, the lust or the strong desires that bubble up, if you will, from the flesh. So to give you a good example of this, um, many of us have, have dealt with stuff over this past month. If you live in Texas, you, you, you weathered Snowmageddon and, or the snowpocalypse, or whatever you want to call it, like that week of just freezing, freezing snow and freezing, and then the snow freezing, and then all of our pipes freezing, and there was a lot of freezing going on, and a little, very little bit of electricity, and not a lot of water. Um, so I know all of us have stories about this, but um, we own a 14-acre farm, and so we have our own stories. And and what what happened for us is, I won't get, uh, get into all of it, but the real work kind of started afterwards. So we were fine without much electricity or or even without much water, because we have a massive pond, we have a Berkey, we can drain some stuff, we can clean some stuff, um, you know, I, and the, the hard work for Roe was during the storm, because she had to feed all 14 or 16 horses 17 horses with water, so five-gallon buckets. She's walking up our 300-foot driveway, um, uh, getting it from down near the house and having to take it up to their, because they drink a lot of water. I don't know if you know that or not, but horses drink a lot. So I don't know how many five-gallon buckets she carried up and down uh, our driveway. It was a lot of work, but then after the storm was when the work started for me. So after the storm, two weeks ago today, we got our water turned back on. And so we went up to the road, turned it on, you know, we start hearing it flowing and that's a wonderful feeling. Uh, Now we can flush our toilets. Now we can do all kinds of, you know, take showers, just, just great first world kind of stuff. And so, uh, but it means we have, we, we have several trailers, people that live on the property. And so we had to go around and make sure all of their lines were good. Well, we had a busted toilet because it froze in the back and cracked and leaking all over the floor. I was fixing that. Then we had two Broken lines within that same trailer and two broken fixtures. Like the top of the fixture blew off because of the pressure. So, anyway, I'm not a plumber, but I'm a pastor. Sounds like kind of like a plumber, but it's not. It's very different. And so I'm in there working on that stuff. And then we realized there's another leak down near the house. We have a girl that um, uh, lives on our property on a, in a mini house, and it was in her bathroom. And so we had to turn off the water to her bathroom. That's a copper pipe. I don't know. I got to figure that out. And so then I'm going to Home Depot. I made so many trips. To Home Depot. Um, I actually have a picture because that day when I went to Home Depot, there was a there was a line. They had blocked off the plumbing the plumbing aisle, and uh, they had formed a line for the plumbing aisle. You can sort of see it down there. Like there was so many. Guys and girls trying to get plumbing supplies, like it was ridiculous. And so, I was there in line with all those poor souls, just you know, hanging out, uh, waiting to see if I can get that right little shark bite fixture and calling my dad. And and so, there it was a lot of work. And so, Monday uh, or, or Sunday, we're kind of working all day on that. Monday, we're working on church stuff, meeting with people, and then in the afternoon, I said, Okay, now I, I need to get to work on the, on, on the property, and that's when. Um, we realized uh, our, our, the, the girl that lives down in the mini house called us and said her bathroom was 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 flooding. There was a lot of water in her bathroom. And so I go down there, it's kind of splashing around, and she's put a lot of paper towels to soak it up. And it smells really bad, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. And so I, I lift up the toilet, and sure enough, like this brown-black water is like right at the top of the toilet. I said, I think I found your leak. This It's not, not water. <laughs> and so... Yes, I know this is kind of a crappy sermon illustration. Um, the pun is intended. There will probably be more puns as they come to my mind. Um, and so I go, man. Well, I am definitely not. I don't know what to. I don't know what to do with it. So we call. We call. So we, we have some plumber friends. So Ro calls them, and um, like they can't get out there for two weeks. They were they were also backed up another pull I just, boom, there. Um, anyway, they were also pretty, pretty darn backed up. It's two weeks, man. As soon as they could get out to us, I' are like, gosh, two weeks. So what happens is her toilet and shower and stuff is connected to the same septic our toilets and showers are connected to. So we realize we can't use our showers because no water can go down the drain because every time water goes down the drain, her toilet is vomiting in her bathroom only it's the other end but anyway it's it's bad and uh uh <laughs> Corey's loving the illustration. So, it, it, you know, so we're like, man, we got to get this fixed. I can't go two weeks just stopping at the at the gas station every time I need to, you know, go to the bathroom. Like, I can't do that. So uh, so finally we get, we. so Roe calls a guy who does septic stuff. And he says, well, have your husband go out and check the tank and see how full it is. It might just be a full tank. And it just so happened that it filled up during COVID or during, yeah, the COVID slash uh Freeze that we had going on, so we're like, okay. So I go. I've never done this before. So I go down there. I'm. I have to shovel dirt away. I, I unscrew the top, and it smells lovely. And um, I pull the top off, and it's like, it's. I, I don't know if you know septic's, but uh, the, we have an aerobic system, which means there's like one um, canister or tank, big holding tank that takes the solids. Say that, and then there's another that that gets the, the the more liquids. Well, this is the solid. That's the first one. And so I pull it off, and I mean it was solid. Let's just say that. It was to the top, solid, like there's no liquid, no liquid at all, just solid, solid. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I close the top and I go in, I'm like, babe, like it's so solid. It is, there is so much solidness in there. There's no no liquid. It looks like mud. I'm like, this is is really bad. So she's like, okay, so we get we have to call a company to come pump our, our septic system, which we've had to do every few years or something well and so but they're they're backed up for another week like they can't come out for a week and so finally that like monday night uh, the guy calls us he's like actually i can come out tomorrow you know if you're ready i'm like yes like like get him out here so he comes out he takes the top off and that's when he he tells us he says well there's this secondary top yeah, because the first top's not good enough. Um, anyway, apparently there's two tops. I didn't know that. I've never Like I say, I'm not a plumber, I'm a preacher. I don't know. And so he he pulls off the second top, which did actually have mud all over the top of it. That's what I saw that I thought was something else. And um, so he pulls that off, and then we get to see the actual take, and it's not that bad. It's not, I mean, he's like, yeah, I don't need to be emptied like in a few, six months or a year or something, but it's not that bad. And we're like, Oh crap! That's not the problem. I don't know. I don't know if any of you have ever had a, a, a stinky situation in your life, and you thought you knew the pro- you thought you knew like where where it was coming from. Like you 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 even inspected it. You talked to the girl that does your hair, and she had the same problem with her with her husband, and and uh, you like you like you knew where it was. Like you knew. And it's like, if I can just, if I can just get, get that fixed, just get that one thing fixed, you know, like if I can just, and so then, and you plunk down $500 to have the septic guy come on. Sometimes it's costly. Like when you think you know how to solve the problem and, and then, but you don't like, you've never been there before. And so this is what's so difficult about doing life on your own without God, without the word of God and without the people of God, you're just shooting in the dark. And, and I, I think a lot of us have some stinky situations, have some bathrooms that are overflowing a little bit, and it's kind of creating some havoc. And it's not good for you either, by the way. Like, there's a lot of germs and stuff in that. We're, we're bleaching down her floor and stuff, and then it comes back up. Like, it's crazy. And so, and so sometimes you can think you know the answer, and you can put all of your eggs in that basket, all to find out there's a second lid. <laughs> And that's why I'm glad that John gives us verse 16 instead of just, just verse 15. Because if we just read verse 15, don't love the world or the things of the world, we're going to go right to, well, I guess uh, we all need to start dressing more modestly. That's probably a thing. And um, we probably need to not listen to rock and roll music because that's probably bad. And we probably, we probably don't need to watch PG-13 movies because the Lord knows those aren't helpful. And like we'll create all these rules and think we're getting closer to God or expressing a love for God. But really, we're just, we just, the septic's fine. It's not the septic. It's not your hairdo. It's not the music that you listen to. It's not the movies that you watch. This is not how you get closer to God. And this is why I think John is building on chapter one. He's in chapter two, but chapter one was all about walking in the light, right? And you can sort of get the idea at the end of chapter one that, okay, if I can just become more moral, then I will display the love that I have for God and I'll just be able to do this. And you'll invest a lot of money in getting the septic guy to help you be more moral. And then he'll be like, oh, well, actually, you're moral enough. That's fine. It's like, but well, well then how come I still love the world? Like, this is, this is the issue. Many Christians, they, like, they get saved and instead of actually finding the solution. They, they, they believe they know the solution. They spend so much of their life trying to fix what isn't even broken. Wow. The septic's fine. I mean, you know, it'll need to be flushed soon. There's, there's, there's some stuff you need to work on, some faithfulness, some generosity, some stuff. But that's not your problem. That's not blocking you. And so began the journey of trying to figure out what is actually blocking us. Which, by the way, you need to figure out. If, you, if you're a Christian, or even if you're not, and you're, your joy is being blocked and your peace is being blocked and your love for what is lovely is being blocked, that's what God is, the perfect thing that is most lovely, and your love for him is being blocked, you need to sort that out. And so, we began trying to sort that out. Now, we, uh, we called another septic guy, another friend of ours, and he said, well, why don't you try this? Like, try flushing your toilet in your house and see what happens in her toilet in her house. Okay. Right. Which is why you need some people who know a little more about stuff than you, you know? So, we flush the toilet. Ro is, Ro is standing over the open septic tank, looking to see if anything goes in there. I am down there in the crappy bathroom, looking to see if anything comes in here, and... And sure enough, it comes into the bathroom and not into the septic. So he said, well, that means the block or the break is what he said. He says a freeze. So probably these PVC pipes broke. I'm like, oh, man. And so he's like, the break is somewhere between the septic tank and where these two lines come together because it's, it's not going that way. It's only going this way. So we said, aha, because what happened is we just started digging because like I say, I'm not a plumber, I'm a preacher, so I started at that bathroom that was having the problem, and I started digging like two feet, and we're on the east side of 35, so it's 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 mud, but it's not regular mud, it's like gumbo, like weird stuff, I mean, it's sludge, it won't come off your shovel, you know, and so I don't do this a lot, so I'm out there, I'm trying, and then Rose taking turns, and we're working, and we're, we're like, we're getting exhausted, not finding any breaks or any leaks, and then he says, flush the toilet, and it helped us out so then we go over to the septic and i'm like before we dig three feet down and out and over i'm gonna go to home depot one more time and buy one of those snake things you know because they make snakes although this one was a rod it was a bit stronger and so anyway i i I go over here i I get the rod the snake thingy and i stick it down the exhaust tube and start making my way toward toward the septic and and is there at the septic to see if anything if it comes through and I, i run into something and it doesn't come through that's a good thing. I've never been so glad to be stopped up. Like I found, <laughs> I found, I found the, the block. And so I'm jamming that sucker. And finally, like Ro is like, okay, a little bit's coming. Oh, more. Wow. All right. You know, it's flowing through. And we're like, woo, you know, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's flowing. Let the river flow. Mm, let it. I got a river of life flowing out. It's just too soon? Okay, fine. It, it's it's just you know it's just it's just flowing. That's such a good feeling. It's like we don't have to dig. We don't have to pay somebody a thousand dollars. Like we just solved it with this twenty five dollar little snake thingy, and and figured it out. So I was I was thanking God. Like I was like, this is awesome. We can now use the toilets. You know, like we like, like this is this is great, and and and, and 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 because we found the block. And so I guess I, I guess the way that I see this lust. The lust is the thing that's coming up out of the toilet. But the flesh is the block. Does that make sense? So the lust is that thing that stinks and it shows up in your life and you hate it. You don't like it. Your spouse doesn't like it. Nobody likes it. Folks on Facebook will jump all over you about it. And then you'll jump on them, and then they'll be like, you're always jumping on people. I feel like you're always judging me. Uh, why are you judging me? It's because I have not been baptized. Anyway, it's just, sorry, it's that, that, that one's for Corey. I only believe in science. But it's, it, it, it's, it's what vomits out in your life and just creates this stink and this infection. is dangerous, and it smells bad, but it's not the problem. The lust is not that we spend our time fighting lust. Lust is not the problem. It is the lust that comes from the flesh. That is the problem. It is the lust that comes from the eyes. That is the problem. It is the pride that comes from our life. That is the problem. And so, so many times people get saved, you know, and they just, they just get a new toilet. <laughs> or they remodel the bathroom. They wanted to smell better and look better. And uh, oh, look at me, I'm dressing better, I'm talking better, I'm not listening to the stuff I used to listen to, hanging out with people that I used to hang out with. Wow, look at me, I've tr- transformed my life. And it's true like the bathroom will smell great and look, or you can replace the tile and everything, like get it looking really good until you go to use it. And then when, when life hits and pressure is applied to the system that you have not unblocked, the same lusts that were with you in your BC days will be with you in your AC days. I always get the announcement. But it, like this, it, it'll show back up and you're like, wait a minute, I thought, I thought we dealt with that. I thought, I thought I had. And then we'll get some saran wrap and we'll like put it over the toilet and try to keep it in, you know, and just try to block it down. We'll get some accountability partners. Maybe that'll help me. And the problem is lust is coming up. It's coming up because there is a blockage this is a really stinky scenario, I know. But there's, there's a blockage in your life. And the blockage is not the lust. The lust is what's flowing out of that. God, God knew you would face temptation. God knew you would face various things. lust of the flesh is merely the flesh strongly desiring and prioritizing what it wants. And that may be sexual, that may be sensual, but it also may be food. Honest, uh, you know, I I talked to one person who was having a really hard day, and and they said, These are the kinds of days when I would go eat several hamburgers. And I said, Why? Because you're extra hungry on stressful days? No, because food means more to that person than it means to me. It means comfort, it means stability, it means something I can control, it means a way I can numb the pain. So it, it can be sexual, but it can also be McDonald's. It can be it can it can be Facebook. It can be uh, social media, which is kind of like porn for women. <laughs> well, pornography is basically a fake reality that you can get that you can get without paying the cost of intimacy, and that's what Facebook is. Fake friends that you can get without paying the cost of faithfulness to them or openness to them. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm just saying it's a it's a fake reality and, and, and it's, it's not bad in of itself. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Facebook isn't bad. Is, I'm not saying it's horrible, but it can be used to be horrible. Food isn't horrible either, but it can be used to be horrible when the flesh is the one driving and the flesh says, I need more likes. So I'm going to post something that I know will get me likes. And every time those likes pop up, I feel better about myself. Because the flesh wants self-esteem. The flesh wants to be loved. The flesh wants to be appreciated. The flesh wants to be known. The flesh wants to be heard. I was talking to Mikey yesterday. He was helping me prepare my sermon. And I said, what do you think the flesh is? And, and he's like, I don't know. He's my nine-year-old. And I said, well, the flesh is the thing that you have that wants your Nintendo Switch. You know, and it's the thing I have that wants my Dodge Viper. And there's nothing wrong with Dodge Vipers or Nintendo Switches. But the lust of the flesh, the, 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 when the flesh is the one dictating to you your priorities, this becomes wrong. The Switch is still not wrong. The Viper is still not wrong. But the reasons for the Switch and the Viper become toxic. And I said, think about it. If your flesh had its way, you would never go to heaven. You wouldn't. Your flesh doesn't wanna leave this earth. I don't even know that I've met any holy people (laughs) who talk about holy things. I don't know that I've met people who are incredibly close to God who are like, yeah, I'm ready to go in their flesh. Even Jesus didn't wanna go to the cross in his flesh. If your flesh had its way, you would never go to heaven. You would be stuck on this ball of dirt forever because your flesh loves this dirt. Your flesh loves these comforts and it puts up with all of the nonsense and all of the pain and all the stuff because it can't let go. And that's why death is is actually a beautiful thing because it forces your flesh to let go of its grip. It forces your flesh to say, no, there is something better for you and I'm going to make you see it. Remember Lot, remember Lot and his and, and his family, Lot, his daughters and and his wife, the angels trying to save them from from, from Sodom and Gomorrah, right as God's about to nuke the place and 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 they they they're, they're going out of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is in the book of Genesis. They they the angels leading them out and it says that they hesitated, they turned around because the flesh wants what it wants. The flesh loves Sodom. And it says the angels grabbed them by the hands. I don't know how two angels grab four people by their hands. I don't know how that works, but the angels grabbed them by the hands and pulled them out of the city. That's what, it's because of the mercy of God. That's why death is a mercy because it, it literally, it, it releases the grip of the flesh on this earth and says, no, there is something better for you and I am going to have you see it. But our flesh hates it. And our flesh hates, that's why our flesh is scared of sickness. That's why our flesh is scared of disease and COVID-19. Because that could lead to the end of it. (laughs) And yet Romans 6 says that that's the entire purpose of salvation, is to bring you to the end of your flesh. Not to literally physically kill you, but rather to prepare you to physically die to prepare you for glory, to prepare you for heaven. I think I have that passage, Romans 6, there it is, uh, verse 8. And, And this is what Paul says. He says, we died with Christ. So in Christ's death, all of Romans chapter 6, actually, you should check it out. It's powerful. All of Romans 6, he's talking about, I was crucified with Christ. He doesn't mean physically he was actually crucified with Christ. He means that in Christ's crucifixion, he saw a metaphor for what God wanted to do in his soul. He says, if we've been crucified with Christ, then we believe, and that's important, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death, therefore, no longer has mastery over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, that's important. Now, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus didn't have any sin in himself to die to. But yet for Paul, he says, he says, we have been crucified with Christ. And we've been, uh, in the same way, he says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In the same way, count. What does that mean, count? Well, it's the same word used of, 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 of Abraham. That Abraham accounted God to be able. It means to believe. In the same way, believe yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. So how do you receive death to the flesh? Through faith, through believing. Believe. Reckon yourself, I think King James says. Reckon yourself. So if you're here today and if you find a love of the world or for the world inside of yourself, if you're here today and you find the lust of the flesh is bubbling up and taking control and you can't seem to control the lust. All right, don't deal with the lust, deal with the flesh. If you deal with the block, then you won't have the overflowing constant lust. And by the way, the lust of the flesh leads to, I think this is a systematic order, the lust of the flesh leads to the lust of the eyes because the eyes are looking to please the flesh. So the flesh is looking to please itself and the eyes are looking to please the flesh. And, and then, eventually, all of that leads to this pridefulness or this belief that I am secure and I am safe and I am the master of my own fate. I am in charge. I am, I am my provider. I am my peace. I am my strength. I don't need God. That's the pride of life. I don't need God. Talking to Carol, uh, who we interviewed last week, it was great to have her uh, up here on the screen, sharing with you all what God's doing with her, uh, taking her through COVID-19. Um, she's, you know, she's 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 kind of elderly. I think I could say that. And she came down with COVID-19 over Christmas, and we were all very concerned. Um, she has other health complications. So we were praying for her. Um, we, we went, uh, several of us went outside of her house to pray. Several of us went to the hospital, outside of the hospital to pray for her. Um, she was saying, though, how weird it was when she was in the hospital, she was hooked up to an oxygen um, tank that she was literally dependent on for her life. And she said it's, it's weird to, to realize that if a machine shuts off, I die. It's a weird feeling. If that machine breaks or doesn't work or the electricity goes out or something, like my life is over. And she was talking about that weird feeling and how, I forget the word she used, but basically fragile. It makes you feel. And I said, well, you are now feeling a part of the actual fragility that you live with. Because you're not just dependent on that machine. There's a bazillion things in here that could go wrong. A trillion things up here that could go wrong. And then there's Texas drivers. (laughs) It's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother level. And and, like there's there's, like it's amazing. Have you ever watched Thousand Ways to Die? There there's there's comets like you know that are dropping little bits of metal. (laughs) There's there's stuff in your water. There's uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's how fragile we are. We're technological. We put a guy on the moon and all of that, but we're still very fragile. Lightning just, we can't protect ourselves from that. It happens every day all around us. You're walking to your car. People get zapped all the time. Like it's, 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 we we are fragile and it is the pride of life that says, no, no, no. I have this plan. I'm going to be doing this next year. I'm going to be going there. I'm going to vacation over here. I'm going to have these kids. I'm going to have this life. I'm going to have that picket fence. I'm going to, because I have this, I have this bank account and I can make this amount of money and I can. <laughs> and it's the pride of life that starts relying on yourself. But it feeds itself. It's a, it's a big circle. The flesh is in charge and the flesh wants what it wants. And then the eyes start looking to please the flesh. And then the life starts feeling good and secure in the fact that it is pleased and it is safe and it is well and then the flesh says okay now i need more and then the flesh the eyes start looking for more and then and then the life starts building more and then more is not enough and then more is just more and then the flesh wants more and then the eyes start looking for more and then the the security we call it right financial security kicks in and, and we have to have x amount in the bank we we need to have this amount we need to be driving that kind of car and, and then we we start building this this life and it's entirely based on these three wells that we start going to. And then along the way we find God and then we want to be better and we we wonder why all this stuff keeps coming up in our life. Well, start with the flesh. Crucify that. Allow that to be crucified with Christ. Believe, he says, believe, reckon yourself. Believe that you have been crucified with Christ. First, you have to believe it's possible. You have to that's an argument right there. Many people don't believe it's even possible that they could die to sin. You know what it means to die to sin, right? It means you're dead. <laughs> so like a dead person does not do anything. They are not interested in doing things. They are not drawn to things. they're on a, they're a whole other level. They're not here. You have that funeral saying all that nice stuff they're not. They're not there listening to you. They are on into better things or much worse things. Like this is is what the two options they got. But they're not there. They're not listening. They're not hanging out. When you're dead, you are unresponsive. And this is supposed to be, this is the state that God has for us when it comes to sin, unresponsive. So you got a good relationship with Jesus, but what? What about your relationship to sin? Has that changed? Or are you still responsive? <laughs> we're, Micah and I, yesterday, uh, we were talking about what is the flesh and what is the lust of the flesh. And so I said, well, let's, let's, let's look on YouTube. Let's see what those YouTube preachers say. So we went to one, and I, I, I try to listen to like, Bible study teachers and stuff like that, just to see what they have to say about it. And this one guy's talking about lust of the flesh, and, he's, and he said, we're always going to struggle with it, but we just have to learn to choose better. You know, we're always going to have these options. Envy's going to come up, and it's gonna, we're going to feel it, and then we're going we're to just decide, do give into to envy or not? It's moralism, man. It's just basically cleaning the bathroom. But this stuff keeps coming up. It's not okay. You're supposed to be unresponsive, like dead to sin. Like sin comes along and kicks you, and you don't get up and get angry because you're dead. People cut you off in traffic. (laughs) There's many, many opportunities in life to let you know just how dead your flesh is or how responsive it is. How alive is it? Is it healthy and strong? Is it kind of sickly? Asking for medicine, trying to get up off the bed. But until your flesh is completely dead, you'll never have the unblocked flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Your flesh will block it. And not only that, the flesh will back up all the junk that's supposed to. See, lust is supposed to come at you, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Strong desires are supposed to come at you, and, and, and temptation is supposed to come at you, and then it's, it, it's, supposed, it's, it's supposed to come at you, and then <laughs> down the toilet. It's supposed to flesh it. But when flesh is in charge, it says, no, 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 we're going to keep that. We're going to keep that. We're going to keep that. We're going to hold on to that. We really like that. That's definitely important. And it just backs up. But it is through faith that we receive crucifixion. We have to believe, one, that it's possible. That this, Paul says, old man. Really, he means old Paul. That this old Harry could die old Jonathan could die this old Rowena could die this old Christina could die I, I know you're pretty attached to him <laughs> I know we've been with you through a lot and he made you think that he helped you survive but he didn't he only kept you on this earth longer and that's his plan to keep you here forever he wants you to stay in Sodom it's going down The Titanic is going down, but it wants you to stay on the Titanic. But God has freedom. God has freedom for you. If you die to your flesh. I'd just like to open that up to you right now. If you just are here today, you're watching online, I feel like we need to pray. If you you want that, if you want a crucifixion, I know you had a salvation prayer and that's lovely, but have you had a crucifixion? You've been to the cross, but have you been on the cross? This is, this is the question. You see yourself at the foot of the cross, and that's a start. But the next step is to see the cross lower, and Jesus' body rolled off of it, and old Harry laid down on it. Nails put into old Harry's hands and his feet. He's raised right there, and he suffocates to death. I kind of like old Harry. Yeah, that's the problem. You'll never crucify what you like. (laughs) You won't do it. You have to get to the place where you are so sick of the the vomit, of the mess, of the stink, that you're like, okay, whatever God wants to do, even if it's kill old Harry. Because you don't know what new Harry's going to look like. And that's that's why scripture says that Jesus, he died in faith believing that his father would raise him. He said, into your hands, I commit my spirit because his body was toast. But he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. All that's left of me, I'll give it to you and you'll take it and do whatever you want with it. That's what faith is. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for the, the death of Jesus on the cross, that he laid this foundation for us. He, he he did for us what what he would then turn around and enable us to do. That he would would allow us to participate. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, I want to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings that I may be conformed to the image of his death. On the cross that my hands may be stretched out, the old Paul, the old Harry might be crucified. And then I trust God to take my spirit that He made and the, the inside that He developed and to create a new hairy, driven not, not, not by the lust of the flesh, but by the lust of the spirit. not by the desires of the flesh, but the desires of the spirit. I start drinking out of that well. So it's not just about choosing between good and evil. So it's not just about moralism. It's not just about making better choices. It's about actually drinking out of a totally different well. In the life I now live, I live by the grace and by the power of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, Father, we first off, we believe your word that it is possible to die and to become unresponsive to this thing that has driven us since birth. We believe that your word is true. And even if we haven't experienced it, we believe that it must be true. And secondly, we believe it's for us. You're offering this to, to me. No matter how deep I'm entrenched in something or how often or how long I've been entrenched in that, the power of the cross applies to me. And it is able to do far above than any thing that I could imagine, and so Lord, I, 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 I receive that. by faith, I reckon myself or I <clears throat> believe myself to be crucified with Christ. might not feel crucified, but I believe to be crucified. I may not see the evidence of crucifixion, but I believe to be crucified that's the thing, lust of the eyes it's always looking for evidence. It wants to see it before it will believe it. But Lord, we 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 step on the lust of the eyes, and we 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 kill that too. Faith is is the the murder weapon of the lust of the eyes. It destroys it, because faith evaporates when vision comes in. We don't we, we don't need vision. We need the word from you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. It is not vision. Faith is the substance. So we reject eyesight we reject evidence faith is our evidence through faith we are crucified through faith we see our crucifixion through faith we live it out and we reject the pride of life and instead we hold on to the truth that we need you greatly every moment every moment we need you it's the problem with moralism you end up not needing god to do what you think you're supposed to do. But no, I need you, Lord. I'm coming to a new well. The well is Jesus Christ. And anyone that would drink from him, out of his belly would flow rivers of living water that there would not be this block anymore, that there would be this free-flowing presence of God. Hmm. Lord, we don't just want to have clean bathrooms. We want to we wanna have a free flow. <laughs> we want to have a free flow you can make the bathroom look good on the outside but oh the lengths you have to go to and oh the stress you have to put up with and oh the the costs before the judgment seat of Christ so Lord we want we want you to clean us out (laughs) We submit ourselves to you. And ask for your grace, too. Many of us are dealing with a lot of things, and this isn't going to happen overnight. But we receive by faith, and faith doesn't need evidence right now. It doesn't demand it. It believes it's done. And that's all that matters. You say it, that seals it. I receive it. It's done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm glad you came to church. I know um, several people were out, but um, they're joining us online. Uh, but I'm glad you all came in person. I'm glad you guys joined us online. I trust it was a blessing to you and that you sensed the, the Lord moving. I'm telling you, God is moving in so many ways. It's so awesome. Even just this week, for instance, I talked to two different people that God had I don't know what the right word is, but sort of forced them or pushed them to go to specific people and and apologize for stuff that like happened long time ago. That's revival. Like it's great when people are like, "I found my calling and I'm walking a new anointing." That's wonderful. But when people actually